When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. All right, welcome into Purple Daily. There will be much more Wolves talk as we go along in the day later on this afternoon. And Twins as well, lots going on. But the biggest news of this day is not that Gerson Rosas is officially the president of basketball operations and has been introduced. No, 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 it's not. There's something much bigger in football. It's Richie Incognito working out for the Oakland Raiders. Hello, Courtney. He's back. He's back. Last summer, around this time, around this actually. Time, yeah. around May of 2018. We'll call it early summer, late spring. Richie Incognito called Mike Zimmer a bleeping liar after claiming to have had contact with the Minnesota Vikings, which was really just him texting with Tony Sperano, who then passed away. And Richie Incognito was not heard from after that, except for, I believe, being arrested at a funeral home. And well, he with, also got in trouble. Was it the spring where he threw the dumbbell at the person at the gym? Yeah, yep, there yep. were several. That was before there that. There were several legal incidences with Richie Incognito. But I remember, to your point, the day that bleeping liar came out, um, and that's where Mike Zimmer uh, originated the tweet that phrase that he loves so much. Um, that's his little mic drop when he says tweet that. And uh, I believe it was that day. That's when we found out about the. That was that was during um, training camp. OTAs is when the interest started getting out there, but training camp late July, early August is when Mike Zimmer was asked, hey, Richie Incognito says that he's been in touch with the Vikings, yes. et cetera, et cetera, bleeping liar, tweet that. And then we find out like, oh, there's something going on here because he was incarcerated, I believe, because of the Dunbell incident. Yeah. Um, so trying to get our incognito timeline correct. <laughs> I think the Dun- Dumbbell incident was before the Vikings. I'm going to look on uh, And then there Wikipedia was a funeral right home incident where he had a bunch of guns yes. in a trunk. <laughs> but he's Good working. <laughs> right. That's all. But, all right. All right. Uh, other he, than he, that, though. This guy. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. I've got the whole thing. Involuntary commitment. That was May 23rd, 2018. He was placed in an involuntary psychiatric hold um, because of the uh, the incident at Lifetime Fitness in Boca Raton, Florida. Okay, was All that right. after the Vikings thing that, or no, was before? this was before. Because okay, I, remember, before. I remember checking around on this because we did a podcast out at TCO last year, you and I. 
maybe a little bit before Memorial Day. And I had heard, because like once Richie Incognito put that stuff out there about like, I'm available, blah, blah, blah. Like you didn't hear too much about the Vikings interest until later. But I had checked in on that mm-hmm. and I had heard like the quote, what I was told was interest on this side, down the hall, not so sure. So it wasn't like he wasn't being talked about. He's not a complete liar. It just might have been maybe in his mind a little bit far-fetched. I mean, you saw those text messages between Richie Incognito and uh, Tony Sperano, and it was more so to Sperano sounding like, good job. Keep keep, keep doing what you're doing. Stay right. on the straight and narrow, et cetera, et cetera. Not we're going to sign Not you. Not we're going to sign you in. Yeah, get over here. The funeral home incident was on the 20th of August. So that was about three weeks after Mike Zimmer was like, tweet that. Uh, no interest, totally false, tweet that. And then that's what launched Richie Incognito into the effing liar thing mm-hmm. and then all the other stuff that he later deleted or apologized for the whole thing. So, um, yeah, what a dilemma. And now apparently he's in the best shape of his life, uh, which you always hear about guys who retire, fall off the face of the earth and then come back. Um, and he's working out with the Raiders. Well, I can tell you that the internet is upset with me for tweeting out that I wonder how it would have gone. And I don't even mean that ironically or sarcastically. How would it have gone? A disaster? LOL? No, I, I really mean I wonder if the Vikings had signed Richie Incognito, if there wasn't the whole thing about you know being a, a Zimmer being a liar or whatever else it might be because I'm certain that they checked in on him why wouldn't they do diligence on they any offensive on any, lineman that good yeah any offensive free agent any free agent for that matter and somebody who has pro bowls to his name in 2017 was coming off of a year where he allowed just two hits two sacks yeah 11 total 11 total hurries like I mean he was he is getting towards the later part of his football career I mean he's you know I wouldn't Go as far to say you bring him to Minnesota and he's immediately a pro bowler, but you probably would have had less holes to fill on the interior of the offensive line by somebody who is a, you know, for several teams was a key cog at that guard spot. And he can, he had some position flexibility. He could have moved him around because he had, you were down Nick Easton and then he didn't know what you were going to get early on in Tom Compton and right. Mike Remmers. You found out pretty quickly what you were getting in them. But who's to say that the offensive line wouldn't have looked at least a little bit better? Um, you can certainly understand the rationale of why they put the kibosh on that, just given some of the locker room issues that had been tied to Incognito and just his reputation. So Incognito is a fascinating character to me because... Did you cover him when you were in Buffalo? I did. Okay. And here's the crazy thing. In 2015, he was one of the best linemen in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. That's after they were criticized for bringing him back, including by me. I did not think it was a great idea to bring in Richie Incognito, not so much for the culture, but just that he was a little on the older side at that time. He hadn't played for a year. And my question was, is it really worth the trouble to bring in Richie Incognito? And then in 2015, he was nothing short of fantastic. He played every snap for three years and was either above average or fantastic for the Buffalo Bills. And he over went to three, three straight Pro Bowls, twenty fifteen to seventeen. So you'd be getting him if if they were to have done this last year, like if we're looking at back in retrospect, they'd be getting somebody who's still in the prime of his career. And yeah, the other thing too about that is there were no issues whatsoever inside the locker room with Richie Incognito and the Buffalo Bills. There he was Are you saying people can actually change and learn lessons well, and it's it's a hard see, it's a hard case to make because of what happened with the dumbbell incident and then also with the funeral home incident sure. where it seems like incognito is just totally unhinged 
that he's gone through a lot in his life and has had some severe mental issues. But even the Jonathan Martin incident looks different in hindsight because Jonathan Martin doesn't seem stable either. No, considering what he's, uh, was it Instagram or Snapchat, the picture of the guns and then tag the people he was... I think those are the people he was bullied by in Miami. Yeah, and yeah, he was, so he doesn't exactly look like he's a angel in this situation right. either. Right. Well, he was threatening uh, incognito a in Los Angeles. Yeah, and there was something with that too. So it's, it, it, it's very bizarre. And I'm not saying that the Vikings should have signed him, but I can't help but wonder what if they did. I mean, the offensive line became such an incredible issue for them last year. And this is a guy who, just by his pro football focus scores for pass blocking, was among the elite guards in the NFL for three straight years with the Bills and would have been coming off of his best of his career pass blocking grade mm-hmm. from PFF as compared to Tom Compton, who was among the league leaders in sacks allowed and in quarterback hits allowed. There were enough incidents where it wouldn't have mattered if Tom Compton was great or not. Is a left guard worth a full win? I don't know. Is a left guard worth a half a win over a season? Because that's all they needed was a half a win. Does he melt down in the Vikings locker room? Does he have an off-field incident? Or is he great? And do they go to the playoffs because their left guard is a star player? It's something I can't help think about uh, with the Vikings offensive line situation. And uh, everybody on Twitter keeps telling me that he definitely would have been a huge problem. And <sighs> how could they even consider bringing him in and all that? Like, I don't know, but his three years before that, he had no problems whatsoever and was in the Pro Bowl. My issue with people trying to connect the dots between what could become an issue in the locker room and, and who might be able to, who might cause a problem. I think it's very short-sighted because you see these people on Sundays. You don't see them during the week. You you have very little window into how they're controlled by, you know, their surroundings, things like that. So the argument I remember seeing is, and it's probably, it's not a fair argument. Well, Everson Griffin had all these issues, et cetera, et cetera. Can you imagine pairing Everson Griffin with Richie Incognito in the locker room? I think that is totally unfair and uncalled for. Um, Because I remember once Griffin started going through some of his issues around week three last year, I saw a tweet. It was either at me or it was it's somebody else being like, can you imagine if we would have had Richie Incognito here, too? And it's like that doesn't that's not fair. You don't realize how insulated these guys are in the support system when they're in that building. They are coddled in a way. It's not not in a bad way, but it's just they are so insulated and so protected that that wouldn't I don't think it would have been as big of an issue. And I, I mean, they might not have anything to do with each other. Exactly. That's like it's such a, you know, apples to watermelon type argument that just because somebody has might have character concerns or somebody might be dealing with god forbid mental health, which is a real thing in this country, that it's going to tear apart a locker room. If you got have legitimate criminals, people who brandish guns at people, people who throw their girlfriend onto beds of guns, things like that. Yeah, I have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with, you know, if, if Richie Incognito, clearly the issue, the incidences that happened last year, um, the Dunbell incident, the funeral home incident, there's something not right. And, yeah. you know, you hope that he gets the mental health help that he needs. And maybe he has. And maybe that's why he feels like he wants to give football another shot. But let's not forget, too. Football sometimes is all these guys have. It's their outlet. By keeping them within mm-hmm. that, they might be able to get through everything else that they're dealing with in their life. And who's not to say that it would have upgraded the offensive line by putting a Pro Bowl caliber player in at left guard over Tom Compton? 
that's the thing that's hard to figure out here for me is what you're talking about with him and the off the field stuff is if he would have been in this type of situation here in Minnesota where it would be very stable with the locker room for the most part if he could have continued where he left off with Buffalo. Now, the thing that makes you wonder about that, though, is Buffalo didn't have to release him and decided to. Maybe they felt like they had gotten everything they could out of Richie Incognito and decided to just let him walk. But it's one of those things where it could have gone really, really well and been the difference between making and missing the playoffs for them. Just that razor's edge of a few more points here or there, a few less sacks here or there. I mean, how about the game against the Rams? Tom Compton had one of the worst games for an offensive lineman I think I've ever seen, and I don't blame him for that. But he he's he had go- single digit pass blocking grade. He's going right. He's going against like Aaron 9. Donald. 6. Aaron Donald had twenty sacks from a defensive tackle. So yes, he's the best player in the league at that position. But Richie Incognito is a Pro Bowl pass blocker and one of the best in the NFL. Does he keep a few less pressures off of Kirk Cousins in that game so they can come back as opposed to? the way that it ended up playing out. I don't know. Uh, It's one of those sort of fun when we get through the season, or at least for me, the season's over, the draft is over, and now we're in a space where we can go, hey, what if they had done this? Or what if this had happened instead? And this reminded me with the Richie Incognito thing. For whatever reason, it came to my mind a few weeks ago. Just, you know, that left guard position became such a huge issue for them. I wonder if that would have worked out or if it would have blown up in their face. Who's to say at this point, now that he's trying to get back into the league, how he'll be, how this whole thing was going to be judged is if he does really well for the, if he right. even if gets works signed out. by the Raiders, he yeah. works out there, then that looks like, hey, did they miss on somebody? I think they're confident though, just doing, this team does so much background check, the scouting department, you know, person, player personnel, the whole thing, that they, that if they would have really felt like it was a good fit, they would have brought him in. There was something other than probably, I mean, it could have very well been the Dunbell incident and just not and feeling like some guy might be unhinged, yeah. for lack of a better, lack of a more appropriate term, um, that they decided against it. Because I know for a fact that there were people inside that building who were at least interested in it. Why that interest did not come to fruition, I guess we'll never really know. Uh, But I think Mike Zimmer's comments in August uh, during that morning practice about, you know, not what did he say? He wasn't unequivocally here. I've got it right here. Um, No interest in totally false tweet that. (laughs) That that sealed it for me. And Incognito did apologize for... uh calling Zimmer a bleeping liar. The first thing thing I do when there's an argument, I usually go to Twitter and start tweeting (laughs) obscenities and losing my mind. And yeah. Um, So we've got a lot coming up on the show beyond just Richie Incognito. If you have a thought on it, 651-646-8255. I am not, as people seem to think, just by wondering what if. I'm not saying the Vikings made a huge mistake by not signing Richie Incognito. But they did make a huge mistake on their offensive line last year. I don't think there's any question about that. They just drafted two more offensive linemen and had one of the worst in the NFL. And that was a player who was exceptional at his job. And if it works out for Oakland, we are going to say, well, what happened there for it to work out in Oakland? But you guys didn't want to take that risk when your offensive line was already in a messy situation. And Brett Jones didn't do anything to help solve that. 
But uh, the other thing I wanted to discuss today, and we've got you set with your pie charts for next segment. I'm ready. You've got your paper. You got your pen. You've got all sorts of pie charts that people want you to do. I've so got we're going to go. We're going to go right. <laughs> we're going to go through those with the pie charts. And Am we'll I doing multiple pie them. charts? I think you have to. Oh, we got goodness. so many good suggestions on I need pie a charts. Calculator. For you. you have to. No calculator. You can't cheat. No, I mean, I have to do hand math. You have to do ah, hand math. Christ. You okay. only have to add up to 100. That's hard if it's not like in increments of five. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Courtney's just but, like, I was told there would be no math. Exactly. <laughs> and and yet here we are. And I, we're going to see I, if we can I get it right. I said shoddy math at right in my tweet. <laughs> Uh, but I want to talk about first, um, next segment, before we get into your pie charts, the team or teams uh, that changed their chances to win by a good draft. Who sticks out to you in the NFL draft that might be a lot different now than they were before? We will discuss when we come back. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. I'm going to come in here and tweet this, tweet that, whatever my daughter wanted me to put on the shirt. That is, that's unbelievably rude, but that's okay, I guess. That's what you guys do. It's Purple Daily on Score North. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. The Score North mobile app offers your chance at great prizes just for listening to Score North and is available in both the Apple Store and the Google Play Store. Listen live on demand and read great content from people like Matthew Collar, of course, from Score North contributors like Matthew Collar, of course, all with the Score North mobile app. Hey, Matthew Collar is on the air right now on Purple Daily. That's me, Manny. Thank you. Yes. Also, Courtney Cronin. Yes, Courtney's here. Hi. ESPN Vikings reporter, who you can follow on Twitter at Courtney R. Cronin. And if you haven't downloaded the app from the App Store and you just want to hear Purple Daily every day, all the time, then you can do that. Just Mm -hmm. go and type in Score North, and you're good to go. And you can read content, listen to podcasts, and stream live. All those things. Magnificent. You can also do my favorite, too, the Alexa thing. Oh, saying, Alexa, Alexa, play play Score score North. North. Yes. But she's always listening. You know she's listening. It's a government. Creeps me out a little. But NSA. Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we've got pie charts to get you. But first, I want to ask this. What team is the most different now after the NFL draft? And this could be good or bad compared to what your expectations were. When the schedule comes out, we all go and pick every game, and then we decide on win-loss records for every team, and then we just move on, and we don't revisit it after the draft usually. So revisit it after the draft. Which one of these teams in the National Football League, Courtney, is stronger or just way different or way worse somehow than when they uh, went into the draft? Well, the three big ones we were talking about leading into the draft were the teams that had all those first-round picks. So the Raiders, the Giants. Um, who else am I forgetting here? Packers. Packers. Um, there, there, were, there were moments to believe that all three of those teams could look vastly different. I don't know if they really do. I mean, the Browns, too. I mean, they got a, quite a haul yeah. of, of talent. But do you, do you really think that this team is going to go to the playoffs and go deep in the playoffs? I I don't know. Maybe I'm a skeptic, but I still think that this team could easily be 7-9, and 6-10. and 10. The Browns, you mean. The Browns, yeah. something like that. But if, if we're looking at a team that 
vastly improved the overall landscape of what they can do in 2019, I'm going to go with the Redskins. I think getting Dwayne Haskins at 15 um, and getting Montez Sweat, who is a game-changing outside linebacker, again, in the first round at 28, um, excuse me, at 26. I mean, there's all the issues of, okay, he's misdiagnosed with a heart condition, blah, blah, blah. That's why he kept tumbling down the first round. Um I really like what they did because they had such we don't know if Alex Smith is ever going to play quarterback again. Do you want to rely on Case Keenum? Um, you know, the Colt McCoy argument, the whole thing. This to me shows you that there's no no uncertainty now who's going to be starting in week one, in my opinion. And I think what they've done around him, I'm just looking through um, you know, their picks. He's they did not have a second round pick, but round three. They went Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver from Ohio State, who I was really high on. I would have loved to have seen Minnesota take him in the third round. Uh, Bryce Love, the running back, they waited till the fourth round to get their running back, and then they got a guard in the fifth round, another wide receiver in the sixth round. It's kind of this funny thing in Washington. They like to get a lot of playmakers to bolster the strength of their mm. quarterback. That's um, I think I've seen that Questionable. happen before. Questionable. Um, and they, they did not go defense outside of the first round. They waited till their seventh round pick to get a cornerback. I don't can't recall off the top of my head. Did they have a lot of other moves in free agency to get defensive guys to get guys no, in the secondary? No, I don't think so. In fact, they lost Preston Smith, yes. the pass rusher, to free to, agency. Yeah, and so it's a Green Bay. So they're going all and in so, on offense. Yeah, they went all in on offense because that you saw some of the issues that they had last year and the shortcomings on offense. Certainly, starting with the quarterback position because of injuries. But beyond that, this is this to me is a team that knew its priorities, and went and attacked them head-on. And I think that I'd have to probably give them an A for this type of draft. And they're not a team now that I, I looked at the Redskins before thinking 7-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. This, to me, looks like some a team that is going to be knocking on the door of the playoffs. NFC East is really interesting. Yeah, because the Eagles did a lot of good stuff, too, but they were already kind of loaded at yeah. a lot of positions. And even what they did in free agency, getting Jordan Howard, and mm-hmm. they still drafted a running back. Like, I mean, it seems like they they know what they're doing, and they just wanted to like load up at a bunch of positions. The Eagles should still be good. Dallas with Amari Cooper is a different team. Mm-hmm. The Giants will still be a 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine team. I don't see any way yeah. around that. At, at best, probably a 7-9 and nine team. And then Washington is the total wild card there. Uh, we've seen when Case Keenum has a lot of weapons in the right system that he can play well in the NFL, or does he lose the job right away to Dwayne Haskins and then they're rolling out a rookie? If they do with Haskins, the odds of them being legitimately competitive are pretty low, but they also might look at this draft with playmakers of trying to build up for the future with Dwayne Haskins and these playmakers around him for a year from now, two years from now. But I I agree with you that they had a very good draft and should be quite a bit better. The team that came to mind for me um, was the San Francisco 49ers, drafting Nick Bosa number two overall. Now their defensive line is just loaded, especially with DeForest Buckner there, and then now Bosa comes in, could be an elite pass rusher right away. And and we see sometimes rookies can make that uh, quick impact when they're a top pick. But then in the second round, they also got Debo Samuel, too, a really good wide receiver prospect, one of the best wide receiver prospects in this draft. It was very odd that receivers just didn't really go in this draft very high, even you know DK Metcalf dropping all the way down. But the first one was picked at 25th and then 32nd, and they took Debo Samuel at 36th. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the second round getting the third best receiver in the draft, you've done really well for yourself. And this, to me, for San Francisco is... 
Jimmy Garoppolo make or break year. Show us whether you can actually be a starting quarterback in the NFL and be effective or not. The five-game stretch two years ago at the end of the season was pretty impressive, but then he comes out the next year and is very mediocre. And then, uh, you know, after that he gets hurt, and so he's going to be coming back, and now it's kind of a make or break. But uh, just with those two picks alone, and then they got Jalen Hurd in the third. Mm-hmm. Um, he was someone that the Vikings were supposedly interested yeah. in. So two more weapons for Jimmy Garoppolo, a top-notch pass rusher, and that's a team that has to be really good this year, I think, or you might be talking about Kyle Shanahan coaching somewhere else. It's, it's interesting the arguments that, that have come out since that draft, uh, just about the discrepancy maybe in philosophy between general manager John Lynch and uh, Kyle Shanahan, and it doesn't sound like it's completely paradise over there. I mean, you know, the way that those two started out in the 2017 season is being on the same page, you know, former player, Hall of Famer, a young coach who wants the type of personnel that he wants to get in here. And then you saw kind of there was a little bit of discrepancy in some of the draft philosophy over the last few years. I think they got it right by and large. I mean, I'm not, you know, a huge fan of them drafting a punter in the fourth round. Um, but think about that defensive front. Why do people do that? I don't know. Um, I don't understand Is that. it the fourth round? I wouldn't do it in the seventh. Like, you don't draft punters, like, ever. So bizarre. But <laughs> the the defensive front, when you think about that trade that they made, um, you know, kind of late in the game to have D Ford, DeForest Buckner, and then you throw Nick Bosa into that mix, too. Like, that's not it's not the same defensive front we've seen the last few years. That, to me, with their pass rush, and kind of they had a lot of struggles with their pass rush. Uh, we saw it against the Vikings last year in Week 1. I think that they're going to look remotely, like, big-time different than they did a year ago. I'm still arguing with people about Richie Incognito on Twitter. Oh, man, can I gotta you stop. Go? Um, okay, so those are my two. The, that was mine, and that's yours. Now, is there a team that drafted in such a bizarre way that isn't the New York Giants? Uh, okay, well, that isn't the New York easy. Giants. They do not qualify <laughs> for this conversation, but that surprised you in the draft that you think maybe they didn't get as much better as they could have. I'll start with this one. I'll go with Detroit. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson is a really good tight end uh, prospect, but picking him at eight is excessive. And then their second round pick, I don't know if you were busy working, but I was watching NFL Network uh, during their second round pick. And the, the analysts the were shocked. Yeah, the analysts were like, uh, uh, who is uh, Jelani t- uh, t- what linebacker from Hawaii? What like they they were totally stunned that he was that they took a linebacker in the second round. I thought that uh, Detroit had the potential to get quite a bit better, and you look at the playmakers that were still there when they picked that they passed up on. I I'm really just surprised that they wouldn't have tried to fill the shoes of someone like Golden Tate and put everything they could around Matt Stafford. And it seems like they are doubling down on defense. But why? Yeah. <laughs> but but why? I mean, you're you're Detroit. Like you don't have enough talent on that defense to even double down on defense and be good right away. My issue with the T.J. Hawkinson pick because who picked right before the Lions at seven? Jacksonville. If no one would be criticizing that pick whatsoever, if you see how few weapons they have on offense, if they would have taken T.J. Hawkinson at seven over um, uh, who who'd they take there? Jared Allen. Not Jared Allen. Um, Who are we talking about? 
Jacksonville. Name oh, uh, Joshua, yeah, Josh, uh, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, sorry. I'm getting the quarterback for Buffalo and the Vikings old Same pass name. rusher uh, confused. Yes. Oh. Um, no, nobody faults them for that because that's the best player available because the way the Raiders screwed things up at four when they picked Cleveland Farrell and then everything kind of kept tumbling down, that put him in their lap. They had to take him. They wanted Jawan Taylor regardless, so they waited till the second round to get him. But nobody would have been, been criticizing them had they gone TJ Hawkinson um, over... You know, if he was available at that position, but we do criticize the Lions about it just because it doesn't make a whole ton of sense when you lost your best receiver in uh, at the trade deadline last year and you really didn't get a lot of production. I mean, Kenny Kenny Galladay's good, but you know, and Marvin Jones and gets Marvin hurt. Jones will come back. Yeah, like, but it's still I don't know. It, that pick did not feel as funky to me. I'm not like as not as critical of that pick as I am with a linebacker. Because when that happened, I looked at Mel Kuyper's big board, and I think that they say they said he was somewhere around like the 80th best available <laughs> at that point. And I'm like, yeah, they they way overdrafted um, on the linebacker. For me, that's you know I think that they've done some weird things in the draft in the past. I thought they actually had a very good draft last year with uh, getting Carry On Johnson, with yeah. getting Frank Ragnow. So I'll be curious to see what those guys do in. Year two, but I think the Texans, um, to be quite honest, I was not really sure what was going on in some of those. Titus Howard overdrafted. Yep, overdrafted. Um, Max Sharpling, the guy from uh, Northern Illinois, it's fine. It's a second round pick. Um, you know, but at that point, Greedy Williams was available to them in the first round. If they wanted to go that route, they got that uh, cornerback from Kentucky in the second round because they had two second round picks and back to back selections. Um, it just to me like it just was a very meh type draft because what I understand your tackle spots are important you have to protect Deshaun Watson but unfortunately I don't think that um, I don't really know what this does in the immediate term with Howard and Sharpling they both seem like they are project type guys that you can't put in there right away and maybe Houston would have been the team that should have traded up to get ahead of Philadelphia to get Dillard to get Dillard yeah Philadelphia did trade up into that spot but maybe even trade up to one of those other uh, positions to take Andre Dillard because I think he was a much better prospect than Titus Howard or they could have uh, potentially moved back and taken Dalton Reisner or something like that but Titus Howard just seemed like an overdraft for them last thing before we get into the pie charts did the Green Bay Packers get a lot better? Eh, I would have said so after free agency, given all that they put into their defensive line and their pass rush. But when they go Rashawn Gary in the first round, um, and you're not thinking, hey, there's this quarterback that's in Green Bay that's really good. Why don't you get him someone to <laughs> pass the ball to? Um they waited till the third round to get Jay Sternberger, or to their third selection to get Jay Sternberger, which I think he's going to be a very good, uh, very good prospect. But they kept going. They went defensive end, safety in the first round. They got Elton, Jen- Elton, Elton Jenkins in the second round, which is you know good for your offensive line. They needed help in the interior, just like the Vikings did. Um, but they need more pass catchers, and they only walked away with one from the draft. Uh, is Jay Sternberger going to give you that middle of the field option? Is he going to become what Randall Cobb was in that way? Maybe, but I just don't think that they've invested enough in pass catchers for Aaron Rodgers. I could see why they decided to go with Rashawn Gary. When you look at how the draft board worked out, mm-hmm. that if you were looking for weapons there, you probably would have had to stretch on Noah Fant sure. and take him before uh, he really should have gone. But as, and aside from that, the first wide receiver goes 25th and they were picking 12th. 
But deciding to take a safety was really surprising to fill the shoes, I guess, of Ha Ha Clinton Dix, who they got rid of mm-hmm. last year. That's where I would have said, I, I don't know why you don't take someone like Marquise Brown or Nikhil Harry right there and decide to go with a safety instead of a wide receiver to help out Aaron Rodgers. He still has, in terms of your proven wide receivers, one guy. It's still just Devontae Adams, and that's it for Aaron Rodgers. And not that you can always count on your top picks to step in right away. We know that here. But um, if it works out, we do see a lot of rookie wide receivers and rookie tight ends make somewhat of a positive impact. And for them to take a safety instead, I guess I don't understand that entirely. Maybe they just think the guys that they drafted last year, that crop of receivers of the Equimania St. Browns, all there's another, a couple other. Maybe they think uh, that this is... Valdez scandling. Yeah, I mean, maybe year two. Maybe they honestly see something that we don't. And that's but those the are later they, round guys. I know, and... I mean, they've they've had success with some later round picks before at that position. I mean, am I Maybe missing anything? Did they sign anyone? No, like, I haven't seen anything. I just think that... Are they keeping Jimmy Graham? I don't really understand this. No. And, I mean, Jay Sternberger is a big-bodied wide receiver who plays tight end. Very dynamic. Led, the F, led FBS, uh, all tight ends in FBS with 10 touchdowns. And I think he had like 17.3 yards per catch. He's a deep threat. He gives you an element on this offense that they need with Aaron Rodgers. Um, all I'm saying is maybe they didn't go the wide receiver route because they could have had some good value there. They didn't have a fourth round pick. They could have gone, um, you know, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round because they kept going back defense. I mean, they got Kingsley Kiki, who's the defensive end from Texas A&M. I thought it was a very good pick, but it's like, okay, you already, I mean, you do have a lot on your defensive line. Like let's, Let's pump the brakes on that. Right. Uh, Signing two defensive players to rush the passer and then drafting another one in the first round. Yeah. And then continuing to draft defense. Like, did Mike Pettin run this draft? That's That's what I was thinking. I'm curious about. And and Mike Pettin is a good defensive mind, and they made progress last year. But now they've really put a lot into that defensive side, which is fine. And that was a problem for them for a really long time. But I think the more pressing need is wide receivers for your all-time great quarterback. They're relying a lot on a new scheme to fix all their problems, and I'm not sure that it will. from within. Yeah, so I don't don't know that I feel like the Green Bay Packers got much better. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that if Geronimo Allison, Devontae Adams, Equiminius St. Brown, if if, if you really think that that's your crop right there. I like how confident you are saying Equiminius. I've had some practice. Um, you really work at it. Yeah, I do. People don't, uh, people don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You practicing over and over in the mirror, equanimous, equanimous. Um, I'm going to get this right. Maybe they, I mean, honestly, maybe they think that the development there is where it needs to be. Year two, he'll be better. Because I remember there were times last year, do you remember he called out his receivers, his young guys? Uh-huh. I, can't, I can't remember what he said, but it was to the effect of, like, this is what the NFL is. Welcome to the NFL. Like it was about like work ethic or something. Mm. I remember I was like, Ooh, that's a little, a little bit of a shot. A little, not surprising, um, from, not Aaron surprising from Aaron Rogers, but eh, you know, help Devonte Adams help you find somebody else. So he's not doubled all the time. Speaking okay. of uh, Mr. St. Brown, have you guys seen the, uh, the feature? I think it was on real sports with Brian Gumble on his dad. No, no. he's like, I, I think they, I think it's from like a couple of years ago. Cause I think, St. Brown was still at Notre Dame at the time, and his dad, because he's got a couple other brothers, I think one that was like a player at USC or something like that too, 
His dad is like LeVar Ball light. Oh, really? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's just. Is that like, why he dropped? Because he was talked about as somewhere in like a second round yeah. prospect. Yeah. And I think the, the deal was like their last, their last name was actually Brown, but their dad like changed it to St. Brown for a specific reason. <laughs> like it's, it's a really what? interesting feature. You might be able to find it on like HBO or something. Manny St. Hill I think. Yeah. producing today. What does the St. part make you more godly? I don't know. It just sounds, it sounds classy. I, I forgot. Classy. I forgot what the Courtney reason Saint why Cronin. Was, I like it. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting, <laughs> me. it's an interesting like 15 minute feature on okay. your dad. He's like LeVar Ball light though. He's like obsessed with, his kids playing football and all that stuff. It's pretty interesting. Helicopter parent or what we call those. Yeah, I think uh, Deshaun Jackson was one of the guys who dropped because of that. I remember seeing a feature where Andy Reid, when he called Deshaun Jackson to tell him that the Eagles had drafted him, said, and your dad's not going to be a problem, right? Like it was, it was such an issue with him in college that that was part of even the conversation on draft day. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We got pie charts to get to. You put it out there on Twitter. We're going to pick for one. For people to send in. I think we should pick several okay. pie charts to have you attempt. You have never gotten a pie chart correct. That to 100%. is not true. I have. It's just <laughs> taken one or two tries. All right. We'll be right back here on Purple Daily. Because the Vikings are on your mind. All the time. Not just during the season. Purple Daily on Score North. Scorenorth.com. When we go out on the field, you go out there to destroy them. If you don't, we go back to the drawing board and we work again. And if some people watching this right now say he's obsessed. Yeah, well, the Lions can't live with the lambs. They can't what now? Lions can't live with the lambs. They can't. That is, what does uh, that mean? That, you'd have to ask John Brown. That's the father of Equinemius St. Brown and his uh, oh, other two brothers. Okay. That was the part of the... Uh, Real sports feature from last year. Interesting. So. I always odd. thought it was the lions don't concern concern themselves with the opinion of sheep. I like that Might better be than lions there's, can't there's, live with the lambs. They're probably yeah, they can. Many everybody sayings. can coexist. <laughs> you don't have to care about their opinion. That's what matters most. Probably many sayings that relate to lions in some way or another. All right. All right. Um, one of the things you've struggled on in this show is. Pie charts. Sure is. And the off-season is for improvement, Courtney. It's not for just staying as good as you are. It's for actually no, getting I, better. I've been told that if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. That's a great point. Uh, so, you put it out there for Twitter for people to send you pie charts that they wanted to answer important Vikings questions. So, we've picked three pie charts that you have to do to answer exciting and important Vikings questions. Here's here's the caveat. Can I have my phone out so no. I can use my computer? Like, Absolutely not. No. <gasps> That's cheating. Then I'm going to throw my phone can out the window. have the playbook with you when you go on the field to be like, oh, what are the quarter- run left, what, let me see. What do the quarterbacks have in their sleeve? The what do they have in their sleeve? Only, I am the quarterback of this pie chart challenge. Only the quarterback, though. If you're a left guard, you can't go, oh, I'm supposed to oh, didn't know this was a left guard. Didn't, didn't know that I was a left guard doing a pie chart. I thought I was a quarterback quarterbacking my own pie chart competition. I see. Well, that kind of shows you what you think of yourself here on the show, that you're the quarterback. Uh, anyway. Kind of funny how that works. All right, fine. I will go longhand, but you're going to have to. I can't talk and do math at the same time. So as I'm trying to. I will to, contextualize the yes. pie chart as you're doing your math. You, you know what I would love for you to kind of go Jim Nance on me here and kind of go like really quiet. Oh, and very, sure. Like, yeah, you okay. Know, breathy. I can do that. As I'm going through this, explaining the process. Hello, that's friends. Thank yeah. you. We could do Thank that. Thank you. All right. We could do that. All right. Which one am I starting with? First pie chart is the backup quarterback pie chart. I feel like okay. this is the easiest, easiest one. one to do. Here are your options. Of course, you have to fill the pie chart with 100% of the pie. (laughs) 
So the chances that each of the potential backup quarterbacks for the Vikings are QB number two, your options, Sean Mannion, Kyle Sloter, Jake Browning, and other. And I say other because you just, just never, never know. know. Okay. Do I have to, do I have to like, she's working do I have to talk chart. through the process of you doing do, this? Yes. All right. Well, I like the reason I have Jake Browning. I want to put him with a higher percentage. First off, you don't, not draft a guy like that, but find him as a UDFA, sign him, guarantee him 140. Like, that's a big chunk of change. What they gave him um, as a UDFA, and yes, you can spread it out, and I think the signing bonus was somewhere around, like, 15. There, There's a commitment there. There's an investment there. They like what he did at Washington. That 2016 season, he exploded. Um, and what Mike Zimmer said when I asked him just about, like, kind of how he expects this backup quarterback competition to go um where he thinks Jake Browning is going to stand out compared to the rest is based on athleticism, scrambling, movement outside of the pocket. What does that sound like to you? I'm waiting for a percentage here. I'm trying to. What are you giving this. Jake Browning for his chances at being the backup quarterback? I'm going to give him a 35 percent chance. I think that's way too high. 30, way too 35% high. 35 percent for Jake Browning. I think Jake Browning is not anywhere close to being an NFL quarterback, okay. and I would give him like a four percent. Whoa, where yeah, I, I don't, don't think believe, there's then, that's, I, I, then he, you then you should do your own pie chart because this is I, what I'm going with. I think that Jake Browning has a chance to beat out Kyle Sloter for QB three. Do they keep Q- three this time on the roster? I think they'll always keep three. Before it was Taylor Heineke, then it's Kyle Sloter, and if Jake Browning outplays Kyle Sloter, then he'll be QB three. But QB two. I don't see much shot unless he goes totally crazy in training camp and is awesome. And yeah, that's that's what we're basing it on. We don't know have any clue yet. We saw him in shorts. That's the other why day. we're doing pie charts. Well, I'm sticking with my taking a guess. It's I have fine. It's okay. That's all right. I have 65 percent now to work with. This reminds me of the Mike Boone versus Rock Thomas Wars of 2018 camp. Though that was. That was a good moment, and we both won. To be quite honest, we, did. we both won. We both. All all right, so everyone I've, won that listened to the podcast. I've got. 65% chance here, 65% left of the pie to work, to work with. with. Yes. Um, you know, they did bring Sean Mannion in. They're giving him the veterans minimum deal. I think they only guaranteed him about 90K. So there's not that big of a commitment. I try to like think finances too and the investment. I mean, you've kept Kyle Sloter around this long. Wouldn't you think that that would be, um, there'd be something there too? So I'm going to give Mannion the edge here. He's in, He's going to end up being my guy because he's going to get 40%, 40%. chance. 40%. So, so now you have Kyle Sloter and other to work with. I do. And that leaves me with 25%. Chance. Uh-huh. So to be fair, I don't know if there will be an other. I don't, I, I'm going to go ahead and give other the 0% chance. So that leaves me with 25% for Sloter. And I have reasons for this. Do I actually have to draw this? Yes. Oh, good Lord. All right, here's, I know. Because <laughs> right, you have to tweet it out after I know the show. that. I know that a right angle into the piece of the pie, that's 25% chance. So that's I'm really Sloter. less focused on how your drawing works out and more focused on you actually getting the percentages right. Well, so I think both this, are actually important because penmanship is a sign of effort. Sure. Uh, but the, the um, it is interesting the way that you've got this mapped out now is having um, Kyle Sloter third. And I think it does say something about how they feel uh, with Kyle Sloter that they signed Sean Mannion. They didn't just say, Kyle Sloter, exactly. you're the backup. And that they brought in Jake Browning and paid him as much as they did. It says 
Kyle Slaughter is yeah, right. He's not locked in QB two for sure, and he's not even really locked into QB three because the fourth quarter of preseason games does not matter a lot to us. It's more what he does every day in camp, and what we saw was not a lot no. last year every day in camp. And I also tend to think, just if I'm being honest, that's a maybe a mis- not a mistake, but it's something that they just don't want to let go yet. Yeah, just like Laquan Treadwell. Granted, there were financial ties behind why they couldn't just cut him last year. They yep. tried to move him off to other teams via trades. That happened. Couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a you're a prideful thing, I think, in a way. Um, and that, to me, with, with Floater, the way that they built their quarterback room last year was very similar to the way it was in Philadelphia. And I think that John Filippo did that on purpose, mm-hmm. where you had your clear-cut starter, your veteran backup, and your developmental prospect. Yep. Well, they had that last year with Cousins, Simeon, and then Sloter. I don't know if Sloter will ever, I mean, he will never be anything more in my mind than a backup, mm-hmm. but is he even ready to take on a backup role? I just don't know yet. Um, and so I'm following the numbers here. I'm following the money. I think that Mannion probably has the best shot of everybody. Back, I think this back, is well done by he, you. I thank think this you. Is well this is probably drawn. one of my best efforts. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he's a backup for Jared Goff. He's played a little bit. He has pretty much just as much experience as Sloter, if not just a little bit more. That's that's the truth of this. He he's played in one. He started one game. I think he's got nine other um, nine other appearances. So uh-huh. it's not like I'm giving them that much more of the edge. But if I had to do this out in May, I, what is today? May Cinco de Six de Mayo. So wow, um, Six de Mayo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, giving Browning that much of a chance at QB2 is surprising, mm-hmm. but you might end up being right. I mean, it's not like Sean Mannion has played exactly. in the NFL or done anything, really. Yeah. So, okay, I'll, right, I'll buy it. I give, I give Browning a much lower chance. I give Sean Mannion a 70% chance of being the backup quarterback. Kyle Sloter, 20. Jake Browning, maybe, maybe 8. And then I'll give 2% to other because... I think you always have to include other with the Minnesota Vikings. Fair. But I just, I really do think that the day that they signed him right after the draft, um, that Saturday night, I got the question like, all right, well, what does this mean? Like, why would they not just draft him over, you know, use use Because they knew he was going to come here anyway. Exactly. That's why. This to me. The long snapper was going somewhere else. They clearly think that. I mean that that's we were going to get to long snapper. We're not going to have time for it today. Whatever, oh, we'll dang. figure it out. But that to me said <laughs> they are going to have a true backup quarterback competition. Okay, you've got like this. This now the pressure is on. You got like three minutes to do the wide receivers. I want you to do the wide receivers. <sighs> Irv Smith. Smith. Irv Smith is too easy. Wide receiver wide three. Hard. Wide receiver three competition. You have Jordan Taylor, Dylan Mitchell, Ola BC Johnson, Chad Beebe. Who am I missing? Laquan Brandon, Treadwell. Brandon Zilstra and Laquan Treadwell. And Brandon Zilstra. And other. For and who other. will be wide receiver three and on I, opening and you, day. And you said that I'm not allowed to, because we're going strictly off depth chart here, that I'm not allowed to consider Irv Smith as my wide receiver no, three, even though no, I think... he is tight end too. I, I understand that. This is the depth chart. Let me just put this out there. So Why do you always out, try to cheat on these? I just want to say it's out there so it's into the ether. <laughs> I don't think that any of these guys at the end are going to be the third best pass catcher on the team. I think it will be Irv Smith. I agree. Never mind. So I will But go there's ahead a depth do, chart, and someone will chart. be the third wide receiver. Okay, Who will it be? I heard you. Um, <laughs> all right. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven options. So got to divide that into a hundred. Yeah, that's really hard. If Within you don't have the a next two minutes. Um, all right. Can you sing a song or something while I do this? I can't multitask. Skull Vikings. <laughs> what are the words? Sometimes they miss field goals. Wide left. 
All the time. Wide left again. All the time. And there's an extra point missed to go along with it. Are you done? I'm, no, I'm not done. 25, 25, oh, 50. Oh, my goodness. 50, 70, 25. Come on, Cronin. Here we go. Clock's ticking. Oh, Damn man. it, Manny. Now this I'm stressed out. I'm going to have a panic ready. attack. All right. Move it, Cronin. Here we go. Hustle, hustle. All right. You don't even have to draw the chart. Just give me the percentages. Okay, There's so much scratching going on on that paper hard. right now. I hate you guys. Okay. That's a beautiful all right, notebook. All right, and all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, what do you got? All right. Let me kind of add, add it No, this up? is why it's great to have you do pie charts is because you mess up the math all the time. All right, fine. So I just get, go. Chad Beebe, they liked what they had in him last year. So much so that they put him in. It made Laquan Treadle a healthy scratch in Detroit. Yep. Um I think they give you another option from the slot. He's a good third down target. He's tricky because how quick he is. And, I mean, I just think a lot of teams won't see that coming. I have him okay. at 25% chance. Okay. Of my group, he has the highest chance. Um, behind him, I've got – actually, it's tied with Jordan Taylor. I gave Jordan Taylor a 25% chance, too. I don't know much about Jordan I don't Taylor. either. I just know – He's a, tall. A, yes. Long little, hair. Long hair, yes, if that counts for anything. Um, I think those two, so BB and Taylor both have – uh, 25% chance, so that's a 50% chance. All right, so I've got them. Then after that, I have Brandon Zilstra as a 20%, we'll see. 20% chance. And I just think that of the group. You would have thought you would have gotten in last year if there was anything there. He had one catch last year, I think. He played a lot on special teams. And even then, given all that special team stuff he did in the CFL, I remember um, you know, talking with some coaches that he was so far behind in the special teams here. Like it was, and he's like 26 he re- years old, so there isn't yeah. really a ceiling there. So that's um, Zilstra. I have him at 20% chance, so I've got 70% chance to work with here. Um, all right, I'm trying to read my math. I'm giving, Dil- always a disaster. I'm giving, giving Dylan Mitchell a 10% chance. Um, I like his chances. I like his chances. I, Ola BC Johnson dropped a ball during last uh, during mini camp, and he so ran his the wrong chances route. go way down in your mind. As I'm, if I'm doing this, on, if I'm doing this on May six, sure. Um, <laughs> but I think Mitchell is a deep threat. That's like that's your vertical stretch the field threat. So um, what's Johnson? Johnson. Then so I've got Johnson at five percent. I've got Treadwell at five percent. Wow, Treadwell at five percent. That's what I was waiting for. Is what's Treadwell? I I think I, I didn't want to give him zero because I think, uh, you know I just I think with other he's probably got a better because he does this he's, every he's single gonna year. He's going to look good great camp. in the you red zone. It. You know and, he's going to have a good camp. I mean, he had a great year last year. Although it is according to him, and he, but in camp <laughs> in, in camp he was legitimately good. Wasn't it right around now last year that he said he was going to catch a hundred balls? Uh, it was uh, after the season. He said he saw himself as a hundred catch receiver. Oh, good lord! All right, we've got to wrap it up. But I'll, did, I'll did just give you. Did any of that equal hundred? No idea. I'll give you mine real quick on that, just for the first okay. couple. I think Treadwell does. I would give him the highest chance at winning wide receiver three. What? It'll be his last shot, and he he's better than those guys at training camp. BB is going to get hurt because I, I'm not sure that he could stay healthy for an NFL season. Zilstra is just. Probably not good if he couldn't beat out uh, Treadwell last year. Taylor might be this year's Tavares King. And (laughs) the other two guys, one of them out of Mitchell and Johnson will make the roster, but they'll be wide receiver five. So... Fine. That's my guess. Wide receiver five. Did you forget about the other two that we have not included in this? That's wide receiver seven, technically. Whose other... Uh, I don't know. Laquan... Or... um... We have Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, so we have five other receivers here that we're working with. They're not keeping seven receivers on the active roster. 
I can't wait till training camp. I'm already ready. Chomping at the bit already. I'm going to do these every single day. All right, we got to go. This day. went way too long for you to do pie charts. So Hard. It, you tried. Stop criticizing the me. Effort was there. All right. Thanks for listening to Purple Daily. We'll catch you next time. We both got to eat.